From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is the Big Story Podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress and the federal government shape the real world. I'm Jason Dick, the leadership editor here at CQ Roll Call, and I'm joined by Bridget Bowman, one of our senior political reporters here at Roll Call. Bridget, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, it, it is recess. Uh, we tend to go out in the field and, mm-hmm. and do some reporting. You've been very busy this year. You you were in Alabama earlier this summer, and you know you were back for just a little while, and then we sent you up to Philadelphia in the Philadelphia suburbs. Uh, you you collected a lot of information, did a lot of reporting, writing stories about some very significant House races there. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of talk about whether the House is in play in 2018. Uh, any sort of road to, you know, the majority usually goes through some of these Philadelphia House districts. Let's talk about where, mm-hmm. where you visited and, and what, you, what you observed. Sure. So, um, as you mentioned, a couple of the districts surrounding Philadelphia are some of the Republican districts that Democrats are really targeting. They're trying to flip 24 seats and win back the House. So last week, uh, we went up to Ben Salem, which is in the 8th Congressional District. A Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick, who's a freshman member, was holding his first in-person town hall. And that's obviously something that some members do over recesses. They can have certain meetings, uh, you know, really interact with constituents. So uh, his town hall was interesting in that it was very limited as to who could get in. There was a lottery system. Only about 120 people or so were actually allowed in the auditorium. Um, and he, uh, he's he been one of those members that is in a competitive race and has been trying to kind of walk the line in terms of where he breaks with his party, where he breaks with the White House. Um, he, for example, voted against the Republican health care plan, um, so we've had some questions about that. And so it was interesting to kind of see what questions people are asking him and how he was trying to sort of, you know, walk that line and balance all of that. Now, Fitzpatrick is is a freshman, but the, the, the family name yes. is, is not a freshman name. Uh, he's the brother of the former member from that district, Mike Fitzpatrick. Right. That's something that a number of people brought up. So another interesting thing about this district is there's no Democratic challenger yet. In places, in other areas across the country, we're seeing more Democratic challengers in races that never had a formidable challenger. But here, no one's really stepped up. Um, Some of the Democrats in the state that I've talked to and asked why point to that, that people see a competitive district where he has high high, uh, name recognition and people know the Fitzpatricks and know them as maybe more independent members of Congress. And so that could present a challenge for a challenger. So t- t- let's talk a little bit about why Democrats, you know, th- think that they can can win there. Mm-hmm. Um, so these one Democratic strategist I actually talked to yesterday pointed out that these are the types of voters in these districts are the types who turn out in midterm elections. So well-educated, some that are more wealthy, uh, and they see an opening with these some voters who might lean Republican as people who are upset with the Trump administration. So people who the way the strategist described it is people who look at the Republican Party and don't recognize it, don't think that it's going in the right direction. Uh, Republicans counter that these voters also tend to vote more into, for the member and not for the party. So if they see the member of Congress as someone who is independent, more moderate, that they would vote for that member regardless of the party. And so you see in these types of districts, those swing voters that become really big targets in, in midterm elections. And also what we saw in the in, in the most recent presidential election in 2016 is that Hillary Clinton did quite well uh, in, in these districts, that not not just this district, but also the, the, the nearby 6th, 7th, and 8th uh, districts. Mm-hmm. And these are the ones that, you know, the sort of ring 
Philadelphia and and they're as, as you said they're they're well educated they're they're becoming more diverse but mm-hmm. they are they are you know you're, if there is a typical suburban well educated district the, these Philadelphia suburbs and, and these these three districts in particular are are ones that that fit that mold they always seem to be kind of a bellwether mm-hmm. for how the national parties are doing uh, but the Democrats actually like Hillary Clinton did fairly well in these districts last year right it was close in these particular districts in the eighth. I think Trump won it by less than one percentage point. Um, in the seventh, Clinton won it by two points. And um, in the sixth, I'm trying to remember, she Clinton won it by less than one point. So it was very close, but definitely there wasn't like a Republican blowout there. So Democrats do see an opportunity there. But they didn't have necessarily the right candidates at, at, at this point, too. I mean, they, they, they had some recruiting troubles in, mm-hmm. the, in the last election. And it sounds like they're, they might be <laughs> duplicating that in, in, in failing to, to field a, a competitive challenger. Potentially. Um, one strategist said if they don't get a credible challenger, it could be the biggest recruitment failure of the country. Um, on the other hand, Democrats are expecting a number of candidates to jump in. Um, and and they say, like, you know, we're still 14 months out from the election. Relatively, it's really early. But because we're seeing an unprecedented amount of people run on the Democratic side, it seems unusual that there's no one running here. Uh, but they do expect someone to jump in. Um, people I've talked to in the district say someone outside of politics would be a strong candidate there. You also need to be able to raise a lot of money. Uh, the Philadelphia media market is pretty expensive. And mm-hmm. so you have to have someone who can appeal to those swing voters, can raise a lot of money, kind of put all of those key factors together. Now, I know, I know you only had so much time mm-hmm. uh, to, to visit in, in, in this area. But you I mean, these three these three districts, they're you know, they're represented by Ryan Costello uh, in, in the sixth, mm-hmm. Patrick Meehan in the in the seventh. And as you mentioned, Brian Fitzpatrick in the eighth. They're all they're all Republicans. And the, is there a danger for the Democrats that the longer, you know, that Fitzpatrick gets there, he will fit into the pattern of me and, and Costello, where they seem to be relatively well liked mm-hmm. in, in the districts, uh, particularly Costello. I mean, he he possibly had one of the bigger challenges in, in the last election, but he he was sort of allowed to skate <laughs> without a, a terribly credible challenger. Mm-hmm. And and he seems like a almost like a safe guy now. Well, the Costello, I think Democrats would disagree with that. They see his opponent, Chrissy Houlihan, as a very strong candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, one, The way one Democratic strategist described it to me is that in the 6th, 7th, and 8th, you have kind of the Goldilocks problem. In the 8th, it's too cold. There are no candidates. In the, in the 7th, it's too hot. There are six Democratic candidates. <laughs> but in the 6th, it's just right. Uh, they see Chrissy Houlihan as kind of a, a star recruit. She's an Air Force veteran, started a nonprofit, also a successful businesswoman. So they see her as someone who could present a really serious challenge to him. Now, last year, I mean, I I, I did some reporting not in these districts, but in a little further out mm-hmm. because I mean, the, I think the assumption was that Hillary Clinton would do quite well in in the, these in these Philadelphia area um, districts. I went out to the 16th district, which is Lancaster based, uh, in and saw you know there was an open seat because Joe Pitts was retiring. Uh, the the Democrats felt very strongly about their candidate. Uh, they. It, and it, it ended up being not terribly close in in the end. 
Um, why why do Democrats think that it will be different? You mentioned that they, they, they feel good about midterm elections, mm-hmm. that, that these sort of voters turn out. They also felt this way about Georgia in, in, mm-hmm. in the 6th District, that, that John Ossoff was a good candidate down there, that, that they had a well-educated district. And it, again, it ended up not being as close as, as they thought it was going to be. What, what, what are they saying that's different that you're hearing this time around? So the national environment, for sure, is something that I think that they will continue to address. Um, the Bucks County Democratic Commissioner, um, who is not running for Congress, though people suggested that she would be a good candidate uh, in the 8th District, said, if Trump keeps being, keeps being Trump, Democrats are going to turn out for us. So they see that as a turnout driver. And they also see that the grassroots energy on the ground could be beneficial. Um, you mentioned Georgia. Uh, someone I talked to yesterday who said, you know, Ossoff didn't win, but there was sort of a grassroots you know, people popping up and ready to work. And they see that in these districts as well. Uh, when we were at the Fitzpatrick Town Hall, there was a town hall, that's empty chair town hall happening outside that was organized by Indivisible Group. There's a group called Fridays Without Fitzpatrick that goes to his office every single week and talks about different issues because they want to hear from their congressmen. So they see people who haven't been in politics before getting really energized and are seeing that that could kind of move forward to 2018. So Democrats have Trump to run against mm-hmm. in, in, in this case. However, the, the Republicans did use Nancy Pelosi uh, as as sort of a wedge figure mm-hmm. in, in, for instance, in the Georgia race. Uh, did you, when you were there and you, and going to the town halls and the events and so forth, did you hear Nancy Pelosi's name come up? I didn't. Actually, that's interesting now that you say that. I don't can't think of anyone that really mentioned her name. Um, most of it was about Trump. Um, in the 7th District where you have different, you have, like I mentioned, six different candidates there. You sort of have a microcosm for Democratic primaries throughout the country where you have one candidate that's very progressive and very unapologetically, you know, proud, progressive. Uh, another candidate who want, who is making the case that he can win the general election. Um, people from outside of politics running in that district. So there, I think, was more where you saw kind of the fight for the future of the Democratic Party trying to play out and the different arguments that people were making on how best to approach these districts. But they did, I, I can't think that they mentioned Pelosi specifically. And are, are you I mean, it is way early to be talking about <laughs> advertising and so forth. But what I mean, aside from the optimism that the national Democrats have, uh, the, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee and, and their and their allies and so forth, are you seeing any evidence of work on the ground? Work on the ground in terms of are, are they do they have are they pouring any kind of resources besides just sort of monitoring it or or sort of saying oh. that this is a target? For yeah, us? at this point, I think it's too early. Um, in the Democratic primary in the seventh, I think they see some some of the candidates being able to raise a good amount of money. Um, I I think in primaries the D trip sometimes tries to you know not be overt about right. who they are <laughs> supporting. Um, but yeah, I think that you'll definitely see these districts being being a target moving forward. All right. Well, I look forward to continuing to uh, you know uh, monitor and, <laughs> and and read your stuff on it. Uh, it should okay. be up on rollcall.com uh, very soon, and I encourage our readers to go and read Bridget's story on it. Thank you very much, Bridget. Thank you. All right. I'm Jason Dick. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.